drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo! Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am and can only be your host, Jesse Kester, but I am not alone. As Michael Jackson, once written by R. Kelly, I believe, was it written? Was that song written for R. Kelly or by R. Kelly? You're asking, you have to ask Michael. Either husband. way, <laughs> I am not alone. I, I'm blowing the headphones right off your melon. <laughs> yes. Today I am joined by the one. First time we ran out of music. The one, the only, the illustrious. Marie. Marie. How are you doing? How, what's, any, any surname that you want me to use? Or are we just, are we just. Marie Eileen. Marie Eileen. Excellent. Um, We're going to talk about burlesque. We're going to talk about ab fab bab cab. We're going to talk about NCSA, I imagine. And we're going to, I, are we going to, are we going to talk about drums? We can talk about drums. Let's okay. Interesting. Yeah. But before we do any of that, <laughs> we are going to do a little segment we like to call Five and Five. Okay. And now this is this is very exciting <laughs> for me because doubly so if it works. Uh, we're doing Five and Five in a way that we've never done it before. Now I used to be do, using my phone and I had a little timer that would go beep beep beep. We're doing something completely different now. We're gonna we've got a screen over here. A very large screen. We got new video set up everything for the video feed that we do not <laughs> we do not <laughs> show anyone. anyone. Your um, personal archive. Yes. Uh, and we're gonna try to do a sound, a visual audio immersive experience that we have never done before on the program. And uh, let's see if we ever do it again. Are you ready for five and five? I feel really special that we're doing the immersive yes. version, so I'm ready. This is like augmented virtual reality. <laughs> that Which I nobody, hear is the next big thing. <laughs> nobody will experience. Except us. Except us. So right. yeah, one okay. of a kind experience. Here we go. Um, you're going to have a minute to answer each question. And there's, I'm not even going to spoil it. This is totally different from how we've done it before. Uh, okay. So see if you can see the video, which you can't, but here we go. Question one. Where did you grow up? And how did that inform your adulthood? Dun, 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 dun. Um, okay. So I grew up in two places, actually. So mm-hmm. I was born in Thousand Oaks, which mm-hmm. is about an hour north of where we are right now. Um, and I grew up there until I was nine years old. And then I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. So I had kind of a double childhood. It was definitely a culture shock when I moved to North Carolina. And I definitely took like a love of California with me. Mm-hmm. So. When I was in high school, I always knew I would come back to California and I I did want to go to college here, but it was a lot cheaper to go in state in North Carolina. But, you know, my whole college experience was working towards getting back here. We're going to get back to that college experience. (laughs) We have some shared experiences in college. You're not the first NCSA guest and you are in, uh, oh, time's up. See, part of the animation is the text goes away when Uh, your time is running out. You did phenomenal. Are you ready for question two? Yeah, that this really is working. This, really this immersive experience isn't bad. <laughs> question two: What is the must engage media? The book, the album, the television show, the the movie that opened up your brain to the secrets of the universe. Oh, the secrets of the universe! Wow. Yes. And and this can be like any anything, any thing. piece of media that really unlocked your heart. Um, for me, um, it is the music videos of the '90s. 
Right there with you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that was the heyday of music videos and that was also like a super experimental time where it was mm -hmm. like, we can do anything. We can make a video of anything going on. We can create this totally different world. And um, I feel like that fantasy is what pushed like filmmaking. And there were a lot of innovations that came yep. during that time period. Cause it was like, let's figure out how we can do this. And lots we, of money and lots of competition. Like everybody yeah. was trying to one up each other. We're yeah. out of time. Was really? Yeah. Wow. See when the letters start disappearing, this is a fully immersive <laughs> experience now. Oh my God. Big numbers too. It's to stress you out. <laughs> Question number three. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? Oh, that's really hard. So many things um, bring me joy. I guess I probably have to say my husband or he'll be really upset with me. Okay. But that's true. I mean, and for me, it's in little ways. It's usually like we're hanging out, nothing's going on. And I just like turn. He says something that's like perfect. And you just turn and look at that person and you're just like, God, I'm so lucky and happy and this is like this moment is perfect it's from a movie yeah you know yeah, like yeah. I kind of have these moments with him where I'm like I can't believe this is real life right now you know if I was gonna write a love story the scene would be in the love yeah, story yeah, and yeah. it's actually happening right now Aww, that's terribly sweet <laughs> oh my god no one's supposed to know that I have a heart that's, that's oh I'm sorry <laughs> time's up I I think I might need to speed up the animation of this text going oh, out because it? it's like a little bit slow. I get. We'll do. Repeat. I have some ideas okay. on how you can revamp this. We'll do feedback. <laughs> Add Question. more drama. <laughs> Question number four: What gets under your skin? Oh, um, people. <laughs> Everyone who's not your husband. Uh, no, really, like stupidity and um, people being like, uh, what's the word? Like discourteous. Okay. You know, like it's the little things. It's like, oh, I'm going to stop in the middle of the street because I feel like it. And I don't care that there are like five cars mm -hmm. behind me. I want to stop, you know, like those kind of little things where I'm like, it's so easy to be nice. And mm -hmm. it's so easy to like care about the people around you. So when people don't do it, it just makes me like, I want to, I want to smack them. I want to smack some sense into them. <laughs> a pattern has been revealed that I just thought of right now, and that is that um, for a lot of people, what they love the most and what gets under their skin is the same thing. Like it was little things of your husband, and it's yeah. little, oh. like it's often you will find the same verbiage in both questions. And we're moving on to the next question. The final one? Yes. Uh, maybe? Yes. Question number five. Uh, let's, what is the let's talk about advice? Not much of a question. What is the advice that you best you've received and what do you want to put out into the world? Oh, I should have thought about this one in advance. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that, um, the, my best advice to somebody is, um, you know, this isn't brain surgery. There's no, there's no life on the line in general. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I feel like once you can kind of coming from the film industry, everybody acts like you are doing brain surgery and someone is going to die, but that's not the case. You're just yeah. making a movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, once yeah. you like, when I'm in traffic and I'm stressed, it's like, you know what? No one's going to die. Like yeah. if I'm five minutes late, no one's going to die. Yes. <laughs> so it's like that. I feel like, uh, it's a source of calm when you realize that. You just that smashed five and five. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of five and five. 
So uh, before we get into anything else, what is your feedback on that immersive experience? Oh, I think it's really cool. You said midway that say, you had. Yeah, noticed. I think that if you uh, are we still in the air? Is yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow, okay. this is the show. Every, so now you lucky have to listeners. Do the yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, is if if the question was gradually disappearing as the time oh, was so going you, out. You mean like uh, slow down the fade out? Yeah, okay. and so by the time the last like question mark goes away, then time's up. Interesting. Yeah. One thing I don't think we'll be able to fix. Well, who knows? Maybe we could actually. The guest could be here, and I could be in the throne. Really. Oh, but I like being in the throne. Yeah, no, the throne's very comfortable. <laughs> Look, listeners, we're adjusting to a whole new setup. There's, um, but you can't see the screen. Like, it might be good I for the guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, okay, five and five, you smashed it. Do you want the, 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 I don't even know where my phone is, so you, you don't get the music, sorry. I don't get, <sighs> Okay, I'll find my phone. <laughs> no, I, you know, we're changing things up. This is different, so maybe this is a new precedent. You don't get the music anymore. Just beer, 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 beer. Okay, is that enough? Yes. All right, let's back it up. Let's slow it down. Now you grew up, grew up in Thousand Oaks, you say? Mm-hmm. Until I was nine. What made your family move? Like, what was the what was um, the impetus? Yeah, I mean, it was a couple things, and you know, this is what my parents told me at the time. So these may have been total lies. I okay. don't know. Um, but uh, you know, California is very expensive. And so um, me and my sister were sharing a room. My two brothers were sharing a room. Uh, My grandmother was living above us. Um, And we had a nice, modest home, modest yard. Um, And when we moved to North Carolina, when we pulled up to the house, when my brothers and sisters pulled up to the house, we thought it was a mansion. Mm -hmm. Because it's just what my parents were able to get in North Carolina was at least twice the size of what we had here. And it was an actual neighborhood Mm -hmm. and we could run around the streets at night and Mm -hmm. play with our friends. And my parents could let us walk to our friend's house and walk back. I mean, you would never do that here in LA. I would never do that. Um, And all my family's on the East Coast. So we were kind of growing up not knowing our cousins and um, North Carolina's you know, for people that aren't super great on geography, it's kind of in the middle of the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have like 10 hours from Pennsylvania, New York, 10 hours from Florida. Not even, it's like seven. If you book it. Well, I'm the way my dad used to drive. Yeah. Yeah. So we could, so we could visit uh, our family in New York and Maryland and we could visit our family in Florida. Yep, yep, yep. On a weekend, you know. That's the magic of North Carolina. Yeah. Did you like it there or were you pissed off? Um, I never really adjusted. Um, It just... It didn't You're not a mountain girl, <laughs> are you? It didn't click for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely liked growing up there as a kid. It definitely was a different experience, yeah, right? Like yeah, because yeah. I could just wander around the neighborhood and and meet my friends and um it very much felt like a movie in that way to yeah. me because growing up in in Thousand Oaks when I would see a movie where the kids were running around the neighborhood, I'm like, what is that? Yes. Because I didn't have a neighborhood. So I liked that, but um, you know, and things are changing a lot in North Carolina, but excuse me, but like in the nineties, it was still a little, um, I don't want to say backwards, but it was a little behind the curve. So, um, in Charlotte, they really weren't promoting new businesses. They weren't promoting nightlife. Yeah. So it was a little boring. And, and then you got to Winston-Salem and learned what <laughs> nightlife was really about. Right. Yeah. I mean, that town party. Yeah. You know, so it's like, there wasn't a lot of culture there for me or the, the type of culture that I wanted to see and wanted to experience. And, um, there are like new younger people that are breathing new life into it. But yeah. at the time for me, it felt a little bit 
sort of repressed and it felt like I couldn't really flourish there. And people made fun of the way I talked. So <laughs> in the mountains, um, well in Charlotte, okay. you know, but oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not, when nice. I moved there, I sounded like a Valley girl. I mean, I really sounded like I walked out of clueless. And so for North Carolinians, it was like, what is that girl saying? Yeah, and yeah. I'm listening to them. Like, what are you saying? Like, I couldn't figure out what people were saying. And I mean, I had teachers in, in like fourth and fifth grade. I really didn't know what they were saying sometimes because they had really thick yeah. Southern accents. And it took me a long time to get used to that. So I feel like that created a barrier for me to mm -hmm. really like feel like it was home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you settle in when you got to North Carolina, to Winston-Salem, I mean? Like, did you find any peace at NCSA or not so much? I mean, I feel like college is totally different, right? Because you're... One, I knew I was never going to stay there. I was yeah. like, okay, oh, I'm yeah, going yeah, yeah. to be here for uh, four years. Ticking clock. Yeah. And from you're minute one. Yeah. And you're with like a, a small community of people. You know, I mean, I was with my people. I yeah. was with like all these great film students and drama students and music students. And I mean, even in Los Angeles, you still can't have that kind of group. You know, even though half those people are here. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're so spread out here the thing that I loved about Winston-Salem was there was nothing to do. So we all hung yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. There was like two bars that we went to. So like you knew that if you go to black bear, yep, yep, half yep, your yep. friends were going to be there. And if they weren't at that one, they were at a, what was it? First street draft house or I don't even remember I now. I don't remember the names. <laughs> I didn't spend nearly enough time there, Yeah, but, but it was a limited nightlife experience. Yeah, but at least you knew your friends were going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have to put much thought into it. Just a quick question. Who is your favorite student in our class? <laughs> mm. Based on, on what criteria? Uh, wit, charm, <laughs> physique, yeah, ability to grow a beard but not grow it in college. Um... Yeah, there was this living kid. at Bailey Street for the first two years <laughs> and Chapel Street for the second. There was a kid named Jesse. Shit, yeah, there was. <laughs> I remember him. He blew me away. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he uh, in our screenwriting class first year. Oh oh oh! He took it upon himself to write every script in rhyme. I'm making bank <laughs> on that shit now. Are you aware that that's how I make my money? Wait, really? Have you not seen the Mad? No, no, no. I'm writing articles for Matt and they all rhyme. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> leveraging that shit for cash dollars. Have you, have you written our screenwriting? I don't even remember who, what her name was, but have you let her know? I should. <laughs> Cause I think she was really kind of annoyed by it by the end of Donna, the semester. Laura. Oh, was Donna, right? Wait, Donna was oh, not. What was her last name? Laura Hart McKinney. Yeah. Donna. Donna. Shit. This is going to get cut out of the show. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, this is really embarrassing. Bill May. Yeah, oh, Bill May. Oh, I know. How much so does he love drinking? <laughs> Which was what makes him a fun professor. Oh, he was a great professor. <laughs> Years later, I found a book that was titled Irish Drinking Stories, and I thought, there's only one man who <laughs> needs this book. And I took it to the campus and left it in his mailbox. I don't even think I mentioned it. Like, I just left it there because... Oh. I knew who gift. needed it in yeah. this world. Mm -hmm. And he never knew where it came from. Yeah, Laura Hart McKinney. Guess who's making money? You know who I want to send it to is uh, Renata. Were you in the classes when she and I would fight like <gasps> fucking cats? Oh, I don't know. I don't, we were at I each other's that, throats. I, I think remember it was year it. three. Like yeah. we, oh. were, we were 
hell to each other. <laughs> and then year oh, four, we made good. I love her too. That was the thing is, was I, I was like kind of in love with her so, <laughs> and also extremely immature. Right. So, so I you had like to like antagonize pick on her. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gets super pissed. Yeah. Rightfully so, too. There was nothing I was doing that was defensible in her class. <laughs> but I think uh, she was she put up with a lot. She you did. weren't I mean, you you weren't the worst. Well, also, she was fighting like the hardest fight of all the teachers trying to convince us that like old weird movies from the Ukraine were what we should really be watching. Right. Yeah. When it was The Matrix was what or Desperado. What, what, right. Like that was that's what her films were up against. Yeah. But she fought the good fight. Yeah. And I fought the bad fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both lost. Yeah, I would say everyone loses. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, what did you like about that school? You seem to. Have, I mean, the people I talked to have been there. Some have uh, warmer uh, yeah. recollections than others, and you seem to be kind of warm on the school. I love the school. I mean, I can't speak to where it is now because yeah, yeah, I know it's gone through a lot of changes. But um, so for me, I really wanted to go to USC. That was like when I was in high school, I wanted nothing more to go to USC, top film school, um, you know, and it was in California. I wanted to get back to California. Um, But my parents were just like, look, it's $30,000 a year and that's not even your room and board. You know, that's just not a good idea. And they weren't crazy about me going three thousand miles away, you know, and, and I was 17 when I graduated high school. So when I was going through doing my applications and stuff, I was like only 16 at the time. And, um, so I had, my mom had to sign everything. Yep. And your mom's like, you're still a kid. Yeah. Yeah. When I brought her the application for USC, she was like, I'm just not signing it because if you get in, you're going to want to go. And that's just not the best choice for you. Um, and I, do you agree with her? If you had a kid, would you do you think in the same way? Um, probably not for the reasons that she thought, but mm-hmm. she was right because what I got at NCSA, I never would have gotten at USC because. What did you get? That's a sentence that is almost never said on this show in the yeah. positive sense. And I, I will do a commercial. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear how you're spinning that <laughs> I will do a commercial um, because I've been hired to work on USC like thesis projects since I've been out here. Mm-hmm. And and when I got hired, I, I was like, wait a second, you guys hire pros to come in and work on your movies. And then I realized their model was the complete opposite of, of NCSA. Okay. Whereas at NCSA, we had to make our own movies all on our own. It was just us. Yes. Whatever equipment the school had, <laughs> you know, and... I think that was one of the most brilliant parts of their model was that you couldn't bring gear or financing in from outside of the school. And every other school I look at is... Like, it's just whose parents are rich, they're yeah. going to have the good film. Yeah. And that was yeah, that was my experience when I worked on these USC shows. It was somebody's parents were giving them money and they yeah. could hire somebody like me to come in and be their camera operator. So it's really not a student film anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you're also not learning to work within a budget. I mean, how many times have I had the what would be equivalent to the budget that I would have had on an NCSA show with all that equipment, with all that crew. I mean, I've, I've only had that budget a few times in my life. So I learned to, you know, when we did the doc class, we had mm-hmm. a four light airy kit and like a 
whatever that sound was, recorder was. Yep, 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 yep. And and a and Zach a camera. Sievers would know. He'd yeah, Zach Sievers would do that. You know, we had a camera with like what we were shooting four 16. rolls of film. Yeah, we were shooting sixteen. We had a limited amount of film, and we made. And then you had to work under those challenges, and that's yeah. what my life as a filmmaker has always been like. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I have never had everything that I wanted. I have never had an unlimited amount of film. I have never had an unlimited amount of equipment or crew yep, or time or, or time. Yep, yeah. Yep, and yep, so yep. I feel like NZSA prepared me for the, to be a working filmmaker in a way that a bigger school like USC probably doesn't do. I mean, USC and they have some great students that come out of there, but they learn to be directors and producers. They don't learn to make the movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got you. I got you. Excellent. That's this is really rare. Um, yeah, there's uh, feelings are mixed. They're across the board yeah. on NCSA on what what that institution is, what it does. And I'm just like I'm amped up. You're warming the cockles of my heart, speaking so well of my alma mater. And the nice thing is, I can agree with you. Yeah. And yeah, it, the the one thing you said that's absolutely true is um, they give you a kit that is very similar to what you your actual budget like kit would be in the real world. And the other thing that went through my head is I would kill to have the fourth year, like to have yeah. fourth year again, to be able to get all that gear, all that time and all that staff at my, you know, like to have them yeah. all in this one city block that they don't really go anywhere else for that year. Yeah. Boy, oh, that would be was, a dream. I mean, you know, we had Stephen Rambusik made a, a full graveyard model for my senior thesis, I mean, that God, the cost on that, I can't even imagine. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. to have a whole miniature made for you. And um, I mean, we got lucky because our class, the, the, like uh, uh, Mary Colston, the whole art oh, team, were, they so were just amazing. on fire. Yeah. They were so cool to work with. No, the stuff they created. Not that anything was like the, the art, the art department was never slack at NCSA. That was oh always the God. one that would just like yeah. drop your jaw. But the people we had in our class were like, motherfucker, these guys are good. Oh, yeah. They're, and, and I follow all of them on Instagram and they're all still doing I get jealous stuff. of Mary. Yeah. I Ugh. lived with her for two years and she's doing, she's like so far ahead of me in the yeah. shit she's doing. I get, I get kind of jelly. I know. I just want to like follow her around for a week. Mike DeWeese doesn't return my calls. He's too big for you. Now. He's too big for me. He does not call back. Ooh. I thought like Ouch. after after the Mad article came out, I thought that I could get him like, on the ooh. phone. Motherfucker no, still. still does not. <sighs> the last time I talked to him was because I texted him on Kat's phone and he answered to her, but he ooh. won't talk to me. No, Ouch. it is fucked. I don't know what's wow. going on. I'm airing my dirty laundry on the Hollywood Fishbowl today. There might be something that you did to him I'm that wondering. you don't remember. I, that's possible. <laughs> You were, you kind of were, you I were very sassy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sassy in a, in a guy kind of way. We're gender neutral on the fishbowl. Oh, I'm sorry. You're I'm a them fatale. <laughs> Please tell me you've coined that. No, I did not. I did not. No, I did not. I was about to, but then I thought like, we'll, we'll let it hang for a minute and okay. see if she calls me on it. Cause it's too good. I, I wish it was mine. Ah, okay. I had, secondly, I wish I could attribute it, but I forget where I saw oh. that. Well, if anyone knows, they should write in. Yeah, write in and complain after I just complained about everything. <laughs> so you went to NCSA. You didn't hate all four years of it. No, not at all. You finished NCSA. Did you come straight out here to Los Angeles? Yes. Uh, well, I so I stayed there for the summer and I mm -hmm. shot my first feature film. Which one? Which you may remember, the Bigfoot movie. 
<laughs> that you, if I remember correctly, you got me into that yeah, mess. Yeah, <laughs> you are welcome. How much did you enjoy pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner oh for three months in the North Carolina summer sun? <laughs> yeah, it was over 100 degrees for a good a good portion of that. Here's the thing. So. when like I, I read a lot. I write a lot. When a script like that comes down the pike... You know, maybe there are reasons Mike DeWeese doesn't answer <laughs> my calls. You've, okay, yeah, I could see that. Could How low is that. my stock? Just in general. I, I mean, on what, what's the scale? Like the a one scale to ten? Is, uh, one to ten among people I graduated with at NCSA who didn't, who don't really know me. Right. Like, what was my stock when I graduated? Was it below five? On like, what would I take your call? Right. Not me, though, because you mm-hmm. and I, we, we had worked together. So I knew that it was all talk. You were really a nice guy underneath. But I think you <sighs> maybe would have been at like, I think most people would have thought like that guy is either going to like go somewhere because mm-hmm. he's like that. He's out there and he's just like he says what he what he thinks and he's got a lot of opinions. So he's either going to be huge or he's going to be like living in his mom's or, basement. OK. Yeah. I think it was a it was a coin flip for okay, most people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you know, okay. Let's just assume that most people are rational and they're going to be like, I will not invest in that thing that might be <laughs> as annoying as it seems. So we're going to say my stock was below five at graduation. I would say out of five. Okay. Like a 50, 50, 50, 50. I okay, might answer the phone. Okay, I might not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whose stock was the highest at graduation? Just so we have like a baseline of it. And this is just fascinating for our listeners. I'm sure they're yeah, the they know seat. all these yes. people that I'm name dropping. Um, Zach Severs, I think, had the Zach highest Sievers, stock. People knew. Like, we just knew he yeah. was going to be working minute also, one. there was this composer. I don't know if you know him. His name's Cliff Retallick. I've... And I think... I've worked with him. Yeah. I think when... I think he people scored were a film very, of mine. Yeah. People were very impressed by him. I think uh, at graduation, people... Well, because he had scored, like, nine out of the ten Yeah, yeah, yeah. So films. everybody knew so him. So I think there was, like... There were definitely... He had pretty high stock, I would think. Yep. Yeah. Mike Deweese, Mary Colson, I think, had very high oh, stock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow, Charlie I was Boyles. Char- that was a weird one. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Man, mm-hmm. I wish I had sword. <laughs> I'm not in my mother's basement, but I really wish I had sword. You know, everybody has a different path. Thank everybody you. has a different path. And I, you know, I. So you shot Bigfoot. You were the DP on that. I was the DP on that. And really the director. I mean, because. Boom. <laughs> because. There was not a lot of directing going on, um, but it was it was definitely an experience, and it was like uh, it was an ego boost though. Because when I got to LA, I, I moved moved out to LA over Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. and I got here, and it was like I've got a feature under my belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it'll never come out. It never got finished. Oh, yeah, you know? but for the, for the first six months, like when you get here, you can say I just shot a feature. Yeah, like it should be coming out soon. And no one's yeah. gonna ask about it in six months, twelve months when it would actually be coming out. Nobody. Yeah. Because how many movies track. have yeah. we all worked on that never came out? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And did it work? I mean, were you able to get into, were you able to find your lane here? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my my path was uh, very interesting, but, uh, but a lot of it came from NCSA. So, um, you know, I worked really hard when I was there and I worked on a lot of the upperclassmen's movies. Mm-hmm. This is not an indictment of your performance yeah. at NCSA. No, no, no. I'm just we- like, you know, I really took advantage of that. The mm-hmm. fact that we had the ability to do that. And so when I got out here, I knew all these upperclassmen who had been out here for a year or oh, two or yeah, three. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so 
you know, when it was like I had them in my phone and I could text them and say, hey, I'm here, I'm available for work. And so right away it was like I was getting on as camera PA and then as a loader. We shot on film back yeah. then. Um, you know, so there was a lot of work as a well, loader. Well, digital was crap back then. It was mini DV. Yeah, was you kinda, weren't really doing that. There was a little bit. Maybe high def was just poking it no, its nose yeah, out. Yeah, some stuff was getting shot on, um, on HD, but most sitcoms and television was still – or not sitcoms, but like dramas for television and things were still being shot on film and mm-hmm. movies were still being shot on film. Um, so I was able to work a lot as a loader and a second AC and, um, and I worked on Biggest Loser, which did shoot in, on video, but I worked like three seasons on Biggest Loser. Um, that one wasn't through an NCSA connection, but you know, every film you work on or TV show, you meet 50 people on that yes. crew. Then they go to another show and, oh, oh, we need a camera assistant. Oh, call Marie, you yeah, know, so, yeah. so I really had a great network, um, until my injury and I, I really was, was working and I thought, what was, was the injury? Was I aware of that? Uh, or? no, I mean, cause I mean, you weren't around here then, no, but no. yeah, no. So I was, um, working very steadily as a, a camera assistant and I did an indie movie, you know, favor, low rate. It's always yep. those. Um, and we were shooting out in the mountains and, um, they had really scrimped on, on all the things, on safety, on equipment, on crew. And Did we, they have insurance at least? They had insurance, okay. but they were really, you know, they were trying to save money wherever they could. And we were short staffed and, and they just weren't great. And so we would like move all the gear up to the top of the mountain. And then we would like move all the gear down yeah, and then up yeah, again. And yeah, you're yeah. like, what? And this is um, not digital. This is yeah, this heavy gear. This yeah, is I mean, going to weigh people. It's like, you know, I was carrying around a film camera, which yeah. without the magazine, is still a good like 30 some pounds. Those things are like cast iron stoves from the the twenties. Yeah. I mean, with the magazine, it was usually like 40 to 50 pounds that I was carrying around and, but I was in shape for that because that's what I did every day. Um, but I just tore a bunch of cartilage in my knee from, um, like overuse. Like I didn't fall or anything, but it was just from carrying all that stuff Mm -hmm. and hiking up and down the mountain. Um, it just really wasn't safe. We really shouldn't have been doing it, but, um, I was the only female in the camera department. I was the only female on the crew that wasn't like a hair or makeup or, um, we call them the vanities. So roles that you traditionally think of as a woman. So I was this woman and I was just like, all these guys were always trying to carry stuff for me. And I just felt like, you know, I need to, like assert that like a woman doesn't need yeah, yeah, <laughs> to carry yeah, stuff for I, I came to play too. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, like I'm here and this is my job. And yeah. as a camera assistant, a lot of your job is carrying stuff around. Yep, yep, so, yep. you know, I was very much working hard to prove myself. And so when, when my knee started hurting, I you didn't kept say damn anything. Mouth shut. Yeah. And I kept working hard and I didn't ask for help. And later now I've realized that's a problem for a lot of women. They are in a similar situation. They feel like they don't want to ask for help because they don't want to be viewed as a weak woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I paid the price. I mean, I um, eventually they sent me to the ER because my knee had just swelled up so much. From that sucks. Yeah, and then they and then the, the you know the doctor in the ER was like, "You're done. Go home." Like you're, you're just not carrying shit anymore. Yeah, he, he was like, you are on bed rest for two weeks. Okay. Like you can't walk on this leg for, for two weeks at least. And then once the swelling goes down, we'll see. Were and you with Cliff at this point? Or no, no, you I was still single. Okay. Yeah, so I was, uh, once the swelling went down, I, I did some cortisone shots and things like that. And I went back to work. I was working on Biggest Loser, which um, I should have never done mm-hmm. because cortisone shots just mask the pain. Yep, you know, yep, so yep. then I was working and probably making it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're just hammering it, but not you're, but you're your not brain isn't it. registering. Yeah, so you're it. like, oh, I feel great. Yeah. Let me just hike up that mountain with the camera. Um, 
And I was on Biggest Loser, so we were running around yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and so finally, I'm like, it's weird to me that I still have to keep getting these these cortisone shots. It's obviously not great. So I finally, workers' comp insurance, for people that don't know, it's like they try to spend the least amount of money. So unless you beg for something, you're not going to get it. But yeah. I, I was like, I demand to see a, a specialist. And yeah. they finally did an MRI, and they're like, you need surgery. You know? Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, so then I was out for three years because I had two surgeries. And what were you, what did you fill the time with? Three years is a lot of time. <laughs> and there's no Netflix at this yeah, time. No, there was. At, at this point. <laughs> well, I'm not that old. There was Netflix. <laughs> but there was the old, the mail and the old, shit yeah, back you and had forth. A, you know, very limited streaming. Now listen uh, up, kids. It wasn't always. <laughs> yeah, there was like no original content on Netflix yeah, back yeah. then. Um, so yeah, no, I, I went back to school for uh, web and interactive media design because I was kind of I felt like I was kind of going crazy and I was I couldn't I couldn't work I was out yeah. on disability and I was rehabbing my leg I mean I was I had to go to therapy twice a week and I was exercising it and I had to do all this stuff to build back up the muscle um after the two surgeries so um yeah I went to the art institute which is a national kind of for-profit university I don't mm -hmm. necessarily recommend it but it got me what I needed I didn't finish um, you know, I just kind of took the classes to where I was like, okay, I got what I need. I got a basis for web design and, and then I've left. Now there. there's something odd. Some, something strikes me about this yeah. story so far. We have heard nary a word about burlesque in any of this. <laughs> oh was, no, that came that much later. Really? This oh. still hasn't, yeah. it, the bug hadn't bitten you yet. No, no. I mean, I look, I was always into burlesque and yeah. I have always been into sexuality and a woman's body. You know, I've always posed for photos and enjoyed working with photographers and making art. And when I got to L.A., um, you know, I, I knew burlesque was happening in L.A. and I had been to a few shows, but it just seemed like, you know, I wasn't a dancer. I've mm -hmm. never been a, a dancer. Um, and you know, then I had these injuries. So it was like, well, God, now I'm really not a dancer. You know, um, it wasn't until I, I started uh, dating Cliff and he was like, we would go to a burlesque show and he's like, those girls aren't, aren't Broadway level dancers. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's not about the limitation of dance. It's about it's seducing the audience. And he's like, you can do that. And seduction is like, it's my middle name. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was, he, he actually gave me the call. I mean, how many women can say their husband convinced them to take their clothes off in public? Um, but he gave me the confidence to That's do that. That's awesome. Yeah. I do want to like, can we kind of back up and reframe you? Cause I know I, this is all well and good that you're a consummate professional. <laughs> well, let's get to the juicy stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, since since the first moments that I knew you, even back in first year at school, you've just been like a delightfully sexual person. <laughs> That's a good way. To, so my parents are not going to listen to this. Episode, they don't know. They have no idea. <laughs> we are not sending this to my. OK, got it. They, they haven't noticed at all. You know, I mean, that's are they in a, like are they into your your burlesque life? Do they follow that at all? Like, how good a girl? How, <laughs> were you before you were led astray by this cliff fella? Um, no, I mean, I think my parents, I think that there's a bit of um, like purposeful ignorance, right? So okay, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they know better than to know than to want, really want to know. I mean, when I started doing pinup, mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom always she just thought she loved the way I dressed and she just thought it was so cute and precious mm -hmm. and pinup. And there was this 
one exchange that happened with my dad that like kind of really like opened my eyes a little bit. Um, so I was like, I was visiting uh, cause my parents were still in North Carolina. So I was visiting and my, uh, one of my nephews was like playing baseball. So I was all outfitted in a cute little pinup. Is this like, college post-graduation? Oh, this is like, you know, maybe five or six years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I was like outfitted like a little pinup, you know, out mm-hmm. for my day. So I'm all dolled up at this like little league baseball game. You came dolled up today a, for the, know, this for up. an audio thing. <laughs> but you know, I like to be dolled up. So you know, my mom's like, my mom saw me. She's like, oh, so cute, my little pinup girl. You know, and, and my dad kind of bristled a little bit, and he was like, don't don't call her that. And my mom's like, well, why not? And he was like, well, don't you think I, I know what pinup is and, and she's not one of those. And my mom's like, one of what? And he's like, Betty Page. Like, I know what that is. Those That's, little hussies. Well, that, and you know, in his mind, it was a very narrow thing. Betty Page was the only like pinup mm-hmm. that he knew of. And he's like, That's porn. And that's not what she does. And I was like, okay, here's a teaching moment. (laughs) So, you know, um, there are different kinds of, of pinup and yes, that's the one that comes to mind, but Marilyn Monroe was a pinup and Betty Grable was a pinup and, and the women painted on, on World War II airplanes were pinups, you know, so. I mean, they're pinup with Coca-Cola ads. Right. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, but it, it just clued me in that, like, look, people have certain perceptions of things and, um, the general public, because I, I very much loop my parents into that kind of general public, they're not super into counterculture. So when they hear pinup, they may think of Betty Page and that's all yeah, I think yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it about counterculture? I fucking love <laughs> counterculture. Well, it's, all, it's what the cool kids are doing, you know. I, I, I am just all I'm close enough to the point where I'm almost going to be too old to be a member of counterculture, I think. Like there's a, there's a yeah. certain point where it's like the guy th- th- this is for us this is not for you right, anymore. Like you're the weird old guy who's yeah. hanging out at the high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm really soaking it up. <laughs> well, you can. Yeah. But then then I, I I look at like fucking John Waters. It's possible to not outgrow. I mean, he's a he's a legend and he's pushing 150 at this point or whatever. <laughs> Have you have you seen him? He does his Christmas show every year. I have not seen. Oh my god, you have show. to come with. Is us. it in L.A.? It's in L.A. It's usually at the uh, Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, one of those. But it's really funny. He does his Christmas list, like what he wants for Christmas. He Sign goes through up. the list of like dangerous him. toys. It's we're we're gonna go. Okay, yeah. who do you usually take? Who's getting bumped for? Um, Cliff. Cliff goes. Okay, and Veronica Voss. I don't know if you've seen her performance. Has she been a Bab Fab Bab Cab? Yeah, so you've seen her a few times. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've seen her. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, b- 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 before tomorrow, when we're at AbFab BabCab, um, I want to get everybody's Instagram handle so that when I'm posting the photos, I can yeah. actually tag. I never know who's who mm-hmm. after the show. I'll give you a copy of the lineup and I'll write uh, everybody's. Yep. Perfect, perfect. Okay, anyway, back to the program. <laughs> How did AbFab BabCab come to be? Like... So, so you guys are going to burlesque shows. Cliff says you should do that. Then you do that. That's a pretty short version. Uh, I, I imagine there's some details. Yeah, in there. it's actually kind of flip it. So we, I think it was before we were married. Um, he had this idea for Babylon Cabaret. He wanted to create um, a cool old Hollywood cabaret mm-hmm. show because um, that that's like the show I've always wanted to see. You know, and the show he's always wanted to see. And you think L.A. You would think that that would already exist. You would think there'd be like 10 of those on Hollywood Boulevard. 
So he wanted to put a singing group together of two girls, the All Wet Girls, and then create this sort of variety show around them. So we started going to burlesque shows to kind of see what where the talent was, like what's out there, who would we maybe want to cast, and what are the cool venues, and how could we start putting the show together? And that's when, you know, I'm like, oh, oh it'd be so fun to do this, but gee, too bad I could never do it because I can't dance. Yeah. And he's like... Yes, you can. And you're just as beautiful as all these girls and and you have a stage presence and you could do, every, you know, yeah, you can't do the splits, but who cares? Yeah. Half yeah, those girls didn't do the splits, you know, and sometimes it takes an outside person to, to say that to you. So when I started performing, it was always with the intention of just getting good enough to be in Babylon Cabaret. To book others, to yeah. build this whole other project. This network. And yeah, so I started performing and, um, you know, I trained with Lily Von Stoop because mm-hmm. I had, I kind of said to him like, okay, if we're going to do this, I'm going to learn from the best, Yep. you yep. know? So I, I signed up with her and then I, I felt like very quickly I kind of broke into the LA scene and I was able to make a name for myself and, and get all these connections. And, um, and then Lily Von Stoop, Cliff and I did a duet together um, in her show and she came up to him after the show and was like, Hey, I, I have a slot for an opening awesome. show. I don't know if you've ever thought of anything, but I'd love to, I'd love to book you. And he's like, actually we have a show in mind. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's the nice thing about working in LA is that as long as you're doing stuff, eventually somebody sees it and yeah. has another thing that can go with it. Like it's really nice to be in an industry town after a decade in Tokyo where there's not Oh, not really mm-hmm. a film underground counterculture scene that is as fluid as this yeah, one is that you could network in. And yeah, like move. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I'm not saying that there's nothing underground happening in Tokyo. There's definitely an underground scene, but it's not like this whole city is an underground scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's and there's a scene for everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it's very cool to get here and to to kind of see that that in, in real time and get to be a part of it is a joy. Can I, can I get sentimental? Yes. It is one of those joys is shooting Abfab Babcab month on month. I love, I love your show. And I'm going to say what I always say about it is it is so fantastic. I am terrified that it's not sustainable, which is why I'm always there. And I recommend that everybody go see it because you guys do. It's a full blown review. It's, it's a dozen original pieces Mm -hmm. and each show you will have one or two new ones. Uh, with a that's not two people doing a dozen pieces that's a dozen plus people doing a dozen (laughs) original compositions it's just an it's a monstrous undertaking it definitely is I mean like I said it's the show that I've always wanted to see so I feel like yeah I mean we put we put so much into it but and every every month I kind of feel like I'm like okay this is this is too much. I need to scale back. You know, I, I'm putting too much effort into it. It wouldn't be such a big deal if I if we only had ten new numbers. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, instead yeah. of twelve. But then the show starts, and I'm I'm backstage watching it, and I'm like, I couldn't do this any other way. You know, one of the fun things about shooting it is that as the show progresses. Everyone who's performed will come to the back of the room. Oh, to and, watch? Yeah, yeah. Like once their set is done and by the end of the night, there'll be the 15 people in the back of El Cid <laughs> all leaning up against that wooden barrier just watching the show. Yeah. I mean, it's it's captivating and, and I learn so much and it's such a like a privilege to have performers that I feel like are are so, so, so talented, like want to be in the show. Who's your least favorite? 
I, none. I love all my children. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it was a gauche question anyway. I'm sorry I asked it. What's coming up for AbFab BabCab? And I've noticed that you don't also call it AbFab BabCab. <laughs> That is, and I'm wondering what what's wrong. That's your special name for it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, what's coming up for Babylon Cabaret? Um, we are we're a sponsor of the Hollywood Burlesque Festival, which is awesome. happening in June. Um, so that's really cool. So we'll. Be- How do you sponsor it? What are you just giving? Are you throwing dollar dollar bills at them? Are you making it rain? Uh, we're doing an opening. We're doing their pre-show. Okay. So as you're being seated, you'll be treated to live music. Seated and treated. Yeah. But never defeated. I hope that's your slogan. It will be now. Thanks for writing in. You're welcome. Seated and treated, but never defeated. Perfect. I should have gone into advertising. Will not be hard to remember that at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to look great. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Your rhyming abilities. Greet the, the, which I make money for. Right. So this is free, free rhymes. Yeah. You're lucky. You should be so goddamn lucky, Marie. (laughs) No wonder my stock was low. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about your stage name for a moment. My, so my burlesque persona. Mm-hmm. Is misspent youth. Can, I know this is your time to talk, but can I tell you the story? Yeah, please. To circle back to what I was saying earlier, <laughs> from the first moment I met you, I saw you as delightfully sexual. <laughs> and yet you you poured all your energy into becoming the consummate professional that you became. Um, laying to the side... Your delightful sexuality. (laughs) Then I came to L.A. and whispers in the trees (laughs) came to me that you had a burlesque show. I got my ticket. I went and was so excited to see you as a burlesque performer because I thought back to when I had first met you and I saw you as delightfully sexual. (laughs) And wondered if that would ever manifest. Is this story too slow for no, you? No, I was saying, and then it came full circle. Yeah. It came full circle. And then I got to your show, and I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to see my friend from college do the thing that was the thing that she should have been doing anyway. And she's going to be doing it. And then they introduced you as misspent youth. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what her name is. <laughs> she wasted so much time not doing this. Oh, I love that perspective. And the show was, I was already enjoying it at 100, and then the needle just started spinning around and smoke was coming out of the thing that measured how happy I was to be at at your burlesque show. And, you know, I I did feel that. So for me, it was really funny because I had no idea you didn't, you know, you didn't tell us you were going to be there. I move in the shadows. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, when you're, when you're performing, I I like to look at the audience and I like to try and Mm -hmm. connect with the audience and there's lots of lights. So you can't, you kind of can't see everybody and you see everybody in kind of bits and pieces. And I don't remember what number I'm doing, but I just remember I like did a move and I looked down and you're like in the front row and you're just like (laughs) huge smile on your face and you actually (laughs) waved. And cause I was like, I thought you were still in Japan. You know I mean? Like I just, I, I literally was like, Wait, did I just see Jesse? Keep going, keep going. Good. You did. And you saw me at like a million points of happiness. How did you land on Miss Spent Youth? Did you look back at your entire life and think, I've been delightfully sexual? Let me address that immediately and directly. Um, how did you how did you pick that one? 
we we were going going back and forth with names. Cliff was helping me, and I did. I'm a big fan of puns. You know, I love mm-hmm. like the drag names that are kind of puns, and so I really wanted a drag burlesque cabaret. That's the only arena that has better stage names than wrestling. <laughs> that should be our tag. You know, yes, I think that's a selling point. That's yeah. a, a unique selling point. That's a USP in my book. Yeah, I mean, I I I love all the unique names, so I wanted a name that people were like, oh, that's clever. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we were kind of going back and forth and nothing was really fitting me, you know, just nothing was clicking. I had all these ideas and puns and nothing was clicking. And, um, we were on our way home from Viva Las Vegas, which is a big rockabilly, uh, convention that happens every year. And Cliff just turned, you know, you're in the car for four hours. So you have a lot of time to think and talk. And Cliff just turns to me and he goes, you know, what would be a really good pinup name? Miss, like M-I-S-S, spent youth. Like, wouldn't that be a, f- and I was like, yeah, oh my God, that's really clever. And he's like, I, you know, I wonder if somebody's has that. Cause we've never seen anybody have that. Google the shit yeah, so out I'm, of that. I'm like, we're in the Furiously. desert and I'm like Googling. I'm like, nobody has it. And he's like, that should be your name. And I'm like, that, that is my name. Right. Um, and for me, you know, it, it's so interesting that you picked up on that because for me, a big part of burlesque is, to be taken seriously in the film industry, I really felt like I couldn't be, I couldn't be a woman. You know, I had to kind of dress like a man. I had to have no makeup on. I had to have my hair back in a ponytail. I had to try and convince everyone that I wasn't a woman or make them forget that I was a woman. And, um, you know, I'm, but I mean, I've got an hourglass shape. I mean, that's like just not going to happen. So it was a very sort of misguided thought. Um, Although, I mean, I think there is some truth to it. Like you, in, in a boys club, mm-hmm. if you are the hot girl, you're going to be treated like the hot girl. Yes. If you're in a boys club and you're like the girl who's like a, a guy's guy and, you know, then you're maybe taken more seriously. So becoming misspent youth was like I got all my glamour back. That's an, one of the things that I was... I don't know, like, it's not a competition, but back in school, and I don't, I'm not suggesting that any any of the, what, like the 8% of our class that was female, yeah, there weren't nobody had us. it easy, yeah. <laughs> but um, just like, I don't know, behind your back, I heard, behind all the girls' back, you were the one that got more shit from guys in our class than anyone else. Like, the, the shit that people would say about you behind your back was just like, what the fuck is... <laughs> You you would catch it a lot, and yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> you were you're you're like such a, a beacon of of femininity and sexuality, and and really like hyper engaged, hyperactive sexuality, and it just sucked. Yeah, men. I mean, especially college age men, right? They have a really hard time getting past that. Yeah, you know, like they they see boobs and they're like boobs. And then fuck her. Right. Like, like cause, and it's cause, the weird, I don't yeah, understand the connective tissue between If I don't get to touch this. the boobs, then now I'm angry. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. It was, it was mm. always weird. And it was, I don't know, not frustrating for me, but I would always imagine that it was just kind of shitty for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I think it's, it's like kind of shitty for all women though. It, it is right. I mean, I think, you know, that was like a, a small sort of microcosm of the real world. And mm-hmm. when I got out to LA, I had experiences where I definitely got treated that way on set. Right. It was like the, I show up the first day and it was like, Ooh, she's so hot and everyone's hitting on me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. 
we're going to shut that shit down right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so then it was like, oh, well, what an uppity bitch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You cannot win. <laughs> they have an answer for everything. Right, like, oh, well, you're sexually harassing me. Uh, if I point it out or try and politely be like, hey, maybe that's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm a bitch. But if I don't say anything about it, then I'm just. Then we watch it escalate to the point where it's a nightmare for me to come into work in the yeah, morning. And yeah. other people get, I mean, you know, and then the nice guys like you, I mean, I would have other men on set that come up to me and they're like, like, how can I help? Because that's actually making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like yeah. seeing how that person's true. Oh, that, like what kind of messaging when, right, yeah. Like, what? Give me the script yeah. of what I can be saying when you're not around to, to help you yeah, out. Yeah, Or like, you know, it, I, Hey, we're seeing this, this DP, your boss, you know, yeah. comment on how you look every day and we know it's not right, but Hey, he's our boss too. So, you know, what are we supposed to do here? And that's really all I would say is like, you know, Hey, try and redirect the conversation or you speak up and say, Hey, like, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard for a guy to do that, you know? And I, and I get that. And all the men that did step up and do that, it was very cool of them, but I didn't ever expect men to do that. That's so depressing. <laughs> We're like the shittiest gender on planet Earth. And I think that you're getting more woke, as they say now. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you for the patience, female gender, <laughs> on our male gender. Yeah. Um. Hey, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. It just sucks because it's such a it's such a beautiful and radiant part of you. Like your your engagement of your own physicality was always inspiring. And more so now, since you've manifested it in such a such a wonderful, exciting, creative way. Like it's just it's so I'm so happy and relieved that that part of you is is at the forefront of your your public life now. It's very cool. Yeah, and that's, that's a big part of why I teach because I feel like a lot of the women that come to me to learn burlesque, whether they want to do it on stage or they just want that boost of like self confidence mm -hmm. um, that comes with with having control of your sexuality and being in control and saying like, if I want to be sexy and take my clothes off, I can, and I will. And guess what? I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, you know, I find a lot of women that are kind of in the same position where they feel like for so many years I repressed being sexy and I fought against being sexy. Um, and so when I give them an avenue to be sexy, like they, they blossom in, in front of my eyes and they go from being really shy and reserved to just like, having control over their body and, and, and what they love. And it's like so fun to see. And then when the, 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 the workflow of it all is once you've got control over your body, then the next step is taking control of an entire room, Yeah, which is really cool. Like anytime <laughs> I see somebody do that with or without clothing, it's just awesome to see somebody pull a, a whole room of people with them as they do a thing. It's really neat. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we're growing up, we're taught that being sexy is, is bad. You know, that's bad girls. Bad girls are sexy and that's well, naughty. Even half a decade ago, your dad's still, still yeah. harping on that old chestnut. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, that's bad. That I don't want, you know, I don't want that. That's a, a negative image. And it's like, no, you know, I mean, this, we're not in like a repressed 1800s here. We're not in pilgrim gear, you know, like, I mean, that would be hot. Maybe that'll be next. That act. would be very hot. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's it's OK for women to to enjoy being sexy. Bold stance. You heard it here on the fishbowl <laughs> first. It's OK for women to engage their physical side. Yes. Excellent. I'm glad we finally got there. OK, good. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel like you're catching up to what you missed? Misspent youth? <laughs> um, you know, 
I would say that, you know, I, I didn't miss anything. You know, um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Uh, whether, uh, but it, but I was dividing myself into two people. There was mm-hmm. the the person who was on set and professional and and wasn't a woman. And then when I was with my friends and hanging out, it was totally different. And people almost didn't recognize me yeah, between yeah. the two. And so now I feel more comfortable sort of blending the two. If that makes sense. I'm very happy. <laughs> Drums. Oh, <laughs> okay. Can't leave that thread hanging, can we? Yeah, no. Do you still play? Um, it's been a while. Um, unfortunately, I haven't let go of them yet. They're they're mm-hmm. in storage, so they're they're out of the apartment. They're in storage, but I'm not to the point of of selling them and and totally getting rid of them. Um, it's a space issue. Drums take up a lot of space. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would, and there's no quiet version really. Yeah. Living in an apartment. I mean, you can get the electronic kits and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. but to me, that's not playing the drums, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to hit it with the stick. Can you shred? Um, probably not anymore. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) The muscle memory is probably like not, not there um, to like play Wipeout or anything, um, but I, I do miss it. You know, I was in a band um, for several years here in LA, and it's. Are there any recordings of that? Oh, there are. Are there any YouTubes of there, that? Uh, there's there's some music videos out there that you might be able to see if one was so inclined to research them. Do you have any idea what the title of said <laughs> music video might be? Or are you gonna right now look? No, yeah, definitely not no, pulling up Google yeah. on the screen. Um, the name of the band was Versailles, like mm-hmm. like the city in France. Um, and I know what Versailles is, what? Marie. For some of the listeners, oh, okay. they may not know. It's I'm hard sorry. to spell. It's a good way to figure it out. <laughs> took me a long time to learn how to spell it. <laughs> I thought you were condescending me. <laughs> um, it was really fun, but it's a huge time commitment. Um, and what know? was the name of the band? Versailles. And what was the name of the song? That you- oh, let's see. The video that you'll actually be able to see me in is called One With Me. Should I keep talking while you do Yeah, that? yeah, go yeah. for it. Set it up. Um, okay, yeah. So this video, we shot it in uh, in the apartment of uh-huh. um, the girl who was kind of the lead singer. Is this off the Sacrifice EP? It is. Was it? If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that that was record, uh, released by Evil Eye Records in 2000, 2011. Wow, you're very, very knowledgeable. I am just a fan of anything Evil Eye puts out. Oh, well, good. So, I think that this is the only thing they put out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we shot this whole thing in her apartment in, in one night, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a filmmaker, so it was like, Let's let's. What were you shooting on? Was this thing. digital? This DBX one hundred. Oh yeah, man, you stole it from some standby. skateboarder. <laughs> the old DBX one hundred. Yeah. Awesome. I think I think we're good. Okay. Are we good? Are I'm we good? sick of hosting. So what I'm I'd like to do, okay, is I'd like to play us out with this song <laughs> "One with Me" by Versailles, <laughs> which is like the city in France. Just wanted to bring you up to speed on what Versailles was. Well, you know, for our listeners. That's so sweet that you think we have any. <laughs> Uh, we're going to play out with that. Okay. And then y'all come back on Thursday for episode two when Marie and I will do something that has never been done on the Hollywood Fishbowl before and will probably, I can almost completely guarantee, will never be done on the Fishbowl again. This is a one off thing. Cannot overhype it. Thursday's the day. Be there or be 
square.